We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Hoff. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score, the home for Bears fans. Let me tell you something. I mean, I've heard a lot of absurd ideas in my life. <laughs> oh, man. But, but with the response, the sincere response to whether he would play if it was a playoff game. Yeah, if, if this were like a playoff game, would, would, would Justin's status be the same? Yeah, it would be. Yes, it would be the same. You know, like I said, it's not long-term, but he's just not able to go full speed. You know, I asked him how it was today. He said it's still real sore, so. Of course he'd play! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And if he didn't, then everybody needs to go. Yes. Come on, now. You know, that was absurd because the Bears in the playoffs? Playoffs? You know, listen, I, I mean, the idea that you start a draft pick involved in football, that whole thing was absurd enough. But when you answer the question of, well, it's a playoff game. Playoffs? Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk, 5.30 till 10 a.m. In week 18 of the NFL season, Matt Eberflus introduced the quits principle. On 670, the score. Texter checks in, says it should be called the hips principle. Let's go. Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Good Friday morning. Zach Zaidman in for Mullion today. Good morning, Zach. It's going to be a great show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's a football Friday as the entire city of Chicago gets ready to watch the development of Nathan Peterman. Ho, ho, ho! Well, wow. uh, as we said yesterday, if you wanted to go to Soldier Field, on Sunday with the idea of watching an NFL quarterback who is a history maker, you're still going to see that because he is a record holder. Not the record that you would want as a quarterback, but you're not going to see Justin Fields. You will see Nathan Peterman. And I suppose you're going to like it because you have no other choice. Uh, This will be the finale. But, Zach, looking forward to getting your thoughts throughout the morning because this season cannot end soon enough. No, and it could be a history making Sunday from the standpoint that the Bears might find themselves in a position they have never been in ever in their NFL lives. And when all is said and done, they could potentially end up having the top overall pick of the 2023 NFL draft. And that's the reason that every Monday after a loss during the second half of this season has felt like a victory Monday outside of the walls of Hallis Hall. I'm sure it's very different inside during the season because you have players fighting for their NFL lives 
in terms of employment, but I do think that when you separate yourself from what's transpiring out on the field, if you have that number one overall pick, and the reason that everyone's been excited in this city is because of the fact that you may be able to get a haul of more picks via a trade, I think you have to hit the brakes on that a little bit and start thinking to yourself, let's have a real, honest, serious, objective discussion as to what you can truly select with the number one overall pick, if you get it. Okay, for that to happen, the Houston Texans have to beat the Indianapolis Colts, and that would be uh, something that Lovey Smith could do a favor for his former employer by getting his team to beat the Colts. But before you can even get into that space mentally and consider that possibility, why in the world, given what you just said and understanding the way that people value draft picks and draft position and how it defines seasons and interprets emotions and, and, and results, why would the Texans try to win? Because there are going to be many Texans on that team that are not going to be there next year. And that may very well include the head coach. And the Texans have played hard for Lovey Smith. The Colts, have you watched them? Yeah. I, I, they're not exactly uh, a team that gives you a lot of confidence, but they're better than the Houston Texans. Are they? Oh, yeah. Come are, on, Zach. Are, are, who's the quarterback of the Indian? Star- who is starting on, on Sunday for the uh, Colts? Ellinger. Yeah, Ellinger. Yeah, Ellinger. Right? Yeah, the uh, Texas it, it, Longhorn. I, I, I think that, and the Colts have lost something like six in a row, have they not? They've been terrible. I mean, not as terrible as what we've watched here this season, but they've been terrible. Well, you're suggesting then, and, and we'll get into this throughout the show because we've got Brad Biggs at seven, we've got Jeff Joniak, your buddy, at eight, and we'll talk Bears throughout. But you're suggesting that the Bears, if they do get the number one overall pick, and even if they are drafting no lower than second, would consider Correct. a quarterback rather than, as I have been saying, if you're at one, if you're at four, you're probably making a deal. If you're at two or three, you're likely taking a defensive lineman. I believe there's going to be a deal made either way. It's just what are you dealing? That That's the question when it comes to the Bears. And I think you have to kind of peel back and say to yourself, do you truly have the guy playing the most important position in professional sports, mm-hmm. quarterback, or do you feel like you can get a better guy, which I know it, it – it makes your head explode when when you say that. But let's start picking apart because this is what can, they're going to do this. It would make my head explode under ordinary circumstances, but I look at this year's draft and the quarterbacks that you're describing as guys that would be worth that risk if that is involved, a uh, risk involved. I don't see one at the top of the draft that makes me think like, wow, I want to rethink everything that I, that I thought that I learned this year. I, I don't see a guy like that. I don't see – Trevor Lawrence. I don't see Joe Burrow. I don't see Andrew Luck. I don't. Do you see a guy better than what you have? I, I don't think that's the question. I think that has to be the question. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think you have to ask yourself. Not okay. Maybe not as markedly better. Not not better enough. The gap between the quarterbacks available at the top of the draft and where Justin Fields is and maybe is headed, I don't think is big where, enough to justify taking a quarterback where, right now. Right now. Where is he headed? Well. 
Zach, I think what's happened this year, and, and I'm not going to overstate it, and uh, because we've been very objective here, trying to evaluate what he is and what he isn't. But what he is, is is a quarterback that has allowed you to pick a lane this season because you're a you're a uh, organization with so many roster issues that if you come close to answering the biggest question on your roster, I think that you are inclined to to go in that direction and Justin Fields has made your mind up for you if you're if you're Ryan Poles because I do think that you have to at some point in time we have to understand if I'm Ryan Poles if I'm if I'm a general manager of a football team like the Bears that you can't afford to be idealistic forever you can't afford to be uh in this position where you're saying I want to always look for the clear upgrade and the quarterback that I want. and the You can't idealize it. You have to be practical. Okay, and- let's practically look at what we've learned this year. Yeah. I think that in Justin Fields, you have a dynamic runner, the likes of which we've never seen around here. There have been very few quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League who have been as special running with the ball as Justin Fields is. He can tuck and run and score a touchdown from anywhere on the field at any point in the game. That's how special he was during a four-game snapshot in which the Bears averaged more than 30 points per game. A four-game snapshot. Then you have to start to take a look at the passing game overall. And I think you have to be honest with yourself. And what I see is a general manager who didn't pick him, a general manager who understands better than anybody because of his previous stop, that the ability to showcase unbelievable athleticism is not enough to win games. You have to be able to pass the ball consistently in order to win games. And what does that mean? On on Twitter and Insta and TikTok, every single Monday is a chance to relive one or two unbelievable flash plays from Justin Fields. But consistently operating a productive passing game, it has not been there. Well, and, no, and you, have to, and you have to ask yourself, all right, why? Now, why is that the case? Well, I think the, the answer is, is complicated and long, and we don't have enough time to get through every, every last detail, but your offensive line and your wide receivers need upgraded. What Justin Fields also needs to do is improve and polish off his skill set as a passer. But, again, you can't restart and you can't redraw every job description or redefine because of at some point in time you got to look at the roster what you have you're not going to be here forever Ryan Poles does not have a a job where there doesn't it comes with an expiration date right and I believe if you're truly all in on Justin Fields you have to construct your football team very differently than most of the teams currently being I agree constructed in the NFL. So let's get on with it. Or let's get on with it. And then that's what they do this offseason. Who has who has had sustained success running that style? Well, I, that's a difficult question because it's hard to find those examples. And, and I think I, you're looking at you're looking at uh, current uh, NFL. The Baltimore Ravens have uh, done have, a better job of it than any other team okay, they've running re- that style. They, they've reconfigured their offense. The Philadelphia Eagles have, and now, they're on their way to 
you know, the playoffs in a deep run. You can find isolated examples, but you also have a unique quarterback. So what is the fastest way to becoming good again? Talent. And if you look, talent where? Talent everywhere. Okay. So, or better talent at the quarterback position. Because when you look at Philadelphia, and it's a great example, we saw them here. They have talent across the board. They have an outstanding defense with Pro Bowl players at all levels. Offensively, you can make a case they've got the best line in the league. They've got speed at the boundaries at both positions. They've got a tight end who can make plays. They've got a third receiver who who makes you drool as well. And they've got a quarterback in a perfect system with all those weapons to take advantage. And we've seen that when he's not there, the thing suffers. But we've also seen the quarterback without those weapons look, eh, ordinary. But he hasn't looked ordinary this year when he's been out on the field because there are weapons across the board. How long is it going to take the people up at Hallis Hall to put those kind of weapons on the field across the board? Think how much you have to fix in order to be good again. And then ask yourself this question. If you believe, if you have conviction on a quarterback in this draft and you're in a position to grab that guy, what do you do? Well, to be honest with you, my first reaction to that is I I would pass because if you have that much conviction over the quarterbacks in this draft based on what I know and have seen about the quarterbacks in this draft, I would have more questions about that determination and evaluation than I would about leaning in and making the best of the situation with Justin Fields leading your franchise. It's just assumed in this city that, and we've seen this with all the, the good teams that have come in here, right? When no, I, no, no. Don't put the whole the, in this city thing on me. No, no, no. No, I'm not. I, 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 th- not th- this isn't I because they don't know what a quarterback looks like. No, 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 This no. is because That's not it, what I'm it's sa- a practical approach to roster building. What, what I've said is, or what I was going to say, every time we see a good team come in here, or we've seen the Bears take on a team loaded with weapons. I mean, I, I think it's an exercise everyone has has run through during these games. So when the Bears were playing Miami, you kept thinking to yourself, you know, imagine if you took Justin Fields and you put him in a Dolphins uniform with those weapons, what could he do? You look at the Jets with all those offensive weapons that they have outside of the quarterback, and if you took Justin Fields and you put him in jet green, how good would they be? They're asking that in San Francisco. They did. They they have throughout this season. So it's and and these are the questions they're asking at Hallis Hall. And, and the question I would have mm-hmm. is from what we've seen with Justin Fields, and he it's not his fault what you have up front. It's not his fault what they have on the boundary in terms of their receivers. It's not his fault that people try to make Colt Komet into Rob Gronkowski, and he's not. <laughs> You know, that you don't have the weapons. But we've also heard the GM, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, they've all talked about how quarterback last week, did it, did it not raise an antenna for you that you're talking about one of the worst defenses ever, ever? And the Bears couldn't muster anything offensively outside of the beginning of the game. We heard from Andrew Janoco, the Bears quarterbacks coach, on Thursday at Hallis Hall. And one of the things um, that he talked about was what we're uh, debating is whether or not Justin Fields 
in that role of franchise quarterback, has what it takes, and certainly they're believers at Hallis Hall. I thought it was interesting, Zach. Uh, we will get back to this back and forth in terms of Justin Fields and what's available in the draft, but it, was, it stood out to me what Janoco talked about in terms of Justin Fields wanting to embrace the responsibility and what comes with being the franchise quarterback. He wants this to be his franchise. He wants this to be his city. Um, you know, he could, just the way he works. I mean, you spend five minutes with the kid, and you know that. I mean, he's a, he's a dude. Like he's the, he's a dog. He's an alpha. So, um, so really, me just, you know, you spend, you know, spend a little bit of time with him. You know, hey, this guy, he wants to be it. That's part of the evaluation. That's part of the uh, skill set, if you will. That's part of every franchise quarterback, but. That in that is one of the areas in this season where I do think that Justin Fields has grown as much as in any area, and that is taking control as a leader of this team. It's a, it's a box you have to check. It's one you can't assume, but it's one I think he has. It's a question he has answered emphatically. I, I think there's a lot to like about Justin Fields. I, I think. All the tools are there, right? The skill set that you need to be successful, it's all there physically. He's got great arm talent. He's a bright guy. He's got exceptional dynamic athleticism. He runs the ball better than some of the top running backs that we've seen play in the National Football League. And the toughness that you want to see from any football player, but particularly a leader quarterback he's got it but we knew that we knew all that stuff I think that's what you sense that you didn't know it until you see it and until you go through a franchise long franchise record losing streak I'm not sure you understand exactly how a leader a young a young professional like that is going to respond to adversity we did not realize the unbelievable dynamic playmaking with the legs because that's not something that we saw at Ohio State. Yeah, well, you knew he could move. I'm not sure they knew. He, he, well, they didn't need to do See, the difference at Ohio State, and this is why I keep going back to the passing, and it, it has to be more than just a couple of flash plays every game that you see on social media. At Ohio State, the window was enormously open, right? Like every wide receiver, the guys on the boundaries were always open. So clearly that you didn't have to think you knew a guy was open. The third receiver in the Big Ten, the third receiver at Ohio State would likely be the number one receiver on nearly every other team in the country. So how many nickelbacks in all of college football are good enough to cover the top receiver on another team? So that guy, all you had to do is wait patiently, just wait patiently, If you're Justin Fields and you're going to get a third receiver who gets open and turns a a small pass play underneath into a big pass play as a result, right? So you had great defenses every year. You had an offensive line where multiple guys would end up in the National Football League. There were no concerns. You never had to worry about process time and speed and getting the ball out and quickly solving the defensive puzzle. All that stuff has been an issue for Justin Fields in the NFL. You want to take away last year because it was under a a different 
regime with a different offense that clearly wasn't working, I'll give that to you, even though you should see a lot more in year number two. And you did see a lot more in year number two. But I do think he still struggles to understand what's open in the NFL. Well, I agree with that. And and I'm not – I sound like I'm in the position of defending Justin Fields and then on another day I'll be accused of attacking Justin Fields. So the truth is somewhere in between. I just don't think that you you have the luxury of being as patient as you're suggesting. I don't think you have the luxury of of being as picky as that maybe if you're Ryan Poles. I think that we have a quarterback who has shown the, the – Has shown the, what? He, he's shown that he is a dynamic playmaker. And that he 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 is a guy that he is a guy that you can structure and tailor an offense around, and that he can improve as a passer as you surround him with weapons and an offensive line. That may be a risk, but I don't think if, if you're Ryan Poles, you can take a gamble bigger than that one. I don't think you can roll the dice w- with a quarterback that is going to be a rookie. So I think that you have to lean in, and I think we will hear next week when we hear from Ryan Poles postseason. I. I anticipate this. I don't know this. But if he doesn't declare that Justin Fields is his guy, even though he inherited it, it's something that we haven't heard from him. We haven't heard him say this matter-of-factly. If they don't commit to that, that direction, I think that they might be making a mistake. I don't think you can take anything from the podium at the end of the season as fact. Because the games begin, the off-season games begin as soon as the regular season ends. And if you want that big trade that has the entire city euphoric because the Bears may have as as high as the first overall pick, maybe the second overall pick, but you're going to have a top four pick regardless, right? So if you have one of those selections, you can't go to the podium and commit all in and say that you're all into Justin Fields because what's going to happen is then no one's going to believe you. When you can ju- make it clearer than you do right now. You're not going to ever declare who you're going to pick. But I do think that the ambiguity surrounding his commitment to this quarterback is something he could help clear up whenever he David, does speak. that's idiotic. I think you have to make sure that the entire league doesn't know how you feel about the quarterback Maybe. position. and Maybe. that you- Did Zach just call me an idiot on yes, Friday morning? Yes, I did. Okay, I, that's what I thought. So, anyway... Friday, Sunday would be an opportunity for him to get better. He's not going to play. They made that determination because of the hip strain. But yesterday, I felt like it was interesting that Andrew Janoko shared with us Justin Fields' reaction because we have yet to hear from the quarterback, and hopefully we will next week or maybe post-game. But Andrew Janoko, the quarterback's coach, characterized Justin Fields' reaction as this. The dude wants to play. Like He's, he's a competitor. He wants to play. He, you know, he was – Peeved, I guess um, would be a good word, but yeah, because he's he's a competitor. He wants to go out there, and you know, the one thing you can say about our offense is that these dudes love each other. Like it's professional football, yeah, it is a business, but I mean, just watch. You know, as bad as things were at times last Sunday, you know, you see Riley Reef laying out for a guy. You see Justin diving for first downs in the fourth quarter. You know, you see guys, you know, cutting in protection. So, you know, he wanted to be there because that's 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 what we are. That's what we've called. That's what those guys in that locker room have cultivated with each other as an offense. So, you know, you know um, so, yeah, he wanted to play. So Justin Fields wanted to play. He was peeved at the decision not to play him. Andrew Janoko characterized that. And that might have contributed to the decision not to play him just because 
knowing how he would respond and his inability to maybe tap the brakes and not play at any level, any effort level, except for 100%. Maybe that contributed to the decision. I think he would have played if the game mattered. I, I don't uh, buy what Matt Eberflus said, but the decision is made, and it will be Nathan Peterman, and I, I just think they're passing up an opportunity for Justin Fields to improve, and every opportunity at this stage of his career is important. You've said it often. I agree with it. I think anyone who's played in the NFL or levels below that will tell you the only way to get better at football is by playing football. It's not by getting mental reps. And you want to know what mental reps gets you? You will see Sunday when Nathan Peterman is your quarterback, and no one's gotten more mental reps over the last few years than Nathan Peterman. It's not going to go well. It's going to be an ugly experience. There's no one happier in the NFL than the Minnesota Vikings because they can waltz in here and pick up a victory over the Bears easily. It would not be easy with Justin Fields as the quarterback because I'm assuming the Bears will put up a little bit of a fight. The guys that are on the field, boy, you would like to think they put up a little bit more of, of an effort of a fight than we saw last week in Detroit. There's good news from DeMar Hamlin. We're going to talk about that in the pick six. The Bulls have a busy weekend with Laurie Marketing coming into town after his 49-point performance wow. on Thursday night. A little baseball talk because Zach is here. We'll get into even the possibility of the NCAA tournament expanding. It's all in the pick six. Zach Zabin in for Mully. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. All right, guys, what do you think of this clip from Brad Biggs on Thursday creating such a stir throughout the day on social media? Well, he hasn't accomplished nearly enough as an NFL passer, and that picture is far from complete, but it's, it's, uh, it's not a pretty picture right now. He can be very much part of the solution. To this point, he's also been part of the problem throwing the football. Was Biggs essentially saying what Ryan Poles had said to Jeff Joniak before last Sunday's game? He's shown ability to make a ton of plays with his legs. No one questions his, his playmaking ability. Um, but really growing as a passer is going to be the next step. They're very similar opinions, and they're very objective opinions. And I'd be very careful if I were a fan 
and I'd be extremely careful if I were a member of the Bears media and I'm sitting here taking shots at Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs has dominated the Bears beat for about 20 years now. I have been a competitor of his, and now I'm a colleague of his, and I know that he is not an opinionist and doesn't claim to be. His opinions that he offers are based on information. He talks to more people around the league than anybody on that beat, so he knows when he says things about Justin Fields and what he has accomplished as a passer and how far he has to go that this isn't a personal uh, shot. His, his, his opinion based on information after talking to people and, frankly, his experience, which does matter. So Brad Biggs, yeah, it created a stir yesterday. I hosted the afternoon show, and there were a lot of talk and conversation about that, as you can imagine. But I would be very careful in not giving an opinion uh, like that the respect it deserves coming from the source it came from based on his experience and based on his information and his research and reporting. So I don't think what Brad Biggs said was that much different from what the general manager said because this is an incomplete picture. I think everything that Brad Biggs said was accurate. It's not a knock on Justin Fields as a human being. It doesn't mean that he isn't a special playmaking quarterback, but the reality is that the playmaking, for the most part, has come via his legs. And in order to consistently win in the NFL, you have to be able to pass the ball. And I understand everyone that says he doesn't have weapons. Correct. He doesn't have an offensive line. Somewhat true. I would disagree with a little bit of that. The passing game hasn't been what it needs to be. And the quarterback has played a big role in why that passing game hasn't been what it needs to be. And this is part of the serious discussion that's going to take place behind closed doors at Hallis Hall at the end of the year is how do we make this passing game better? And can you get a better quarterback to do that? These are things that will be discussed. It doesn't mean that Justin Fields won't be here. It doesn't mean that he can't be the guy that you think he can be at the quarterback position. But you know what? He's not there yet. And it has a lot more to do than just him not having weapons. Well, Brad Biggs is not an opinionist. He's not a hot take artist. Um, I do think it shows the power and in, in people listen to what Brad Biggs has to say. The other thing is Brad Biggs was asked a question and he right. answered the question. He, didn't just, he yeah. didn't just he didn't just say, hey, Mike and Dave, before you ask me anything today, I just want to say this. Right. It, 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 you know, he was asked a question. He gave his opinion on the question that was asked. One of the things I saw on social media, and, and the one that bothered me the most, was that um, somebody responding. So we put out, we, we create content, and then 670thescore.com and creates snippets of things, and it's great stuff, and the guys that do that do a great job. But then people respond to that. So they take, like, something out of context, and you know, right? It, it, that it was an irresponsible to have the irresponsible, what, what was irresponsible about that opinion? Nothing. That's in a, that's in, that's in a, you know, d- did, did Justin Fields pass well enough this year? No. Boy, that's a tough question. There he is, Brad Biggs once again. What was your reaction to Chase Claypool's explanation of a quasi-apology regarding his outburst Sunday against the Lions in which Justin Fields had to go talk to him afterward? I was a little fired up because, uh, you know, we can't lose that bad ever. So, you got to have a little more pride, have a little more heart. Don't let that happen again. 
Zach, what's your reaction? I do not have a single problem. This will surprise you. I don't have a single problem with what Chase Claypool did on the sideline in Detroit. I've spent years, years on an NFL sideline during games. And I think what we witnessed last week, I know, again, it's the same people who quote-unquote call what we heard Brad say about the quarterback irresponsible fans with a mic. It's those people are the same people that get mad that the quarterback could potentially be mad at the quarterback. I don't think the, 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 the wide receiver could be mad at the quarterback. The wide receiver was not mad at the quarterback. The wide receiver was mad that this offense could not muster a single thing against one of the worst defenses in football and look like they were just hanging out. And you shouldn't just be hanging out, even if it's good to lose because you don't want to, to breach the integrity of the draft pick. Show up and play football. And the Bears did not do that in Detroit against one of the worst defenses that you'll ever see. Forget the draft pick for a second. You can still play much better offensive football than we saw last week. And you have a guy who knows what it's like to play good offensive oh, football. Please. He did at Notre Dame. Oh, please. He did at Pittsburgh. He saw much better things offensively in Pittsburgh than he has here. And I don't blame him for getting upset. You would like to see some of that fire from some of the other members of the offense because they can be a little bit better if the quarterback is as special as people think. I have a bigger problem with what Chase Claypool did yesterday than I do what he did on Sunday. He threw his teammates under the bus. He could have that opinion with the guys in the, in the, in the wide receiver room maybe, maybe in an offensive meeting, but he's been here for like a minute and a half. Has he earned the right to not only have the breakdown that Zach just went over and then to throw teammates under the bus about it. That, 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 that's my bigger issue. And I, and listen, David, you and I, you know, we're, we're Notre Dame guys. We're Claypool guys. We had a great debate during the draft, Comet versus Claypool. David and I were team Comet. Mully was team Claypool. Now they're both here. <laughs> and um, my, my issue is Claypool's comments more than his reaction. I don't think that he has earned the right to be the judge and the public evaluator of his teammates and their pride level. I, I think that somebody who comes from another team with the baggage that he brought to Chicago, with the reputation for being a, a guy who has bouts of immaturity, can't afford to have the one that he had Sunday in Detroit, regardless of the validity of his opinion. You aren't, you aren't there... You haven't been here long enough. You've been here five minutes. And I know that the fire is, is good and, and they were underachieving. That goes without saying there's a way to lose, and that ain't it. That, that's just not it. And so yesterday, I was expecting Chase Claypool to take a little bit more of a, a, a professional tone to this. And I was sitting right in this seat. And Mark Grody texts me and says, there's good Claypool sound coming uh, during the show, in the afternoon show. And I heard it, and I thought that it was going to be some sort of uh, apology or contrition. I did not think he was going to be calling out his teammates or sounding like somebody the way that he sounded. I was disappointed in that because I think that he has uh, an expectation for a lot of things on the field, but I, I just didn't like the way that he handled that at all. And I don't think that um, I don't think it was appropriate for him to be the spokesman for what. Uh, constitute as, as an acceptable effort level he's been for a guy that has not lived up to expectations yet that's a million dollar question 
That's the voice of Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Bears. He'll be here at 8 o'clock with David and Zach. What is your prediction for Bears-Vikings games Sunday, Soldier Field, noon kick? Which almost anybody be paying attention to it? And which number will be higher Sunday? The number of Nathan Peterman interceptions or Justin Jefferson touchdowns? Ouch, that seems like a little bit mean-spirited there. Uh, this is the Sunday, as I said, coming into the show yesterday where the hits principle meets the quits principle and the Bears will lose to the Vikings 31-13. to Nathan Peterman will throw three picks. Justin Jefferson will score two touchdowns. So I guess that number will be higher. <laughs> it's going to be a highly anticipated game in Minnesota. I think the rating is going to be through the roof in the <laughs> Twin Cities. Not so much. You know what? You're still going to watch. This this is a Bears town. We're going to watch the Bears. We're going to listen to the Bears because that's what we do. And it's going to make you angry. Even though you're happy that they're going to lose because of the draft pick, it's still going to make you mad as you get embarrassed by this this Vikings team that – quite frankly, might be the worst 12-4 and four team we have ever seen in the history of the National Football League. And I do agree with you. I think we're going to see a three-interception performance from Nathan Peterman. And I don't. I, I would normally say that Justin Jefferson would have more touchdowns than Peterman interceptions because he's that special, but I don't think he's going to need to play the whole game in order for the Vikings to establish what they need to establish to win. So, yeah, I'll go Peterman with more INTs than Jefferson touchdowns. Got a score for us, Zach? I think it's going to be 41-10. to 10. Interesting. I'm going to go uh, all clubber Lang here from Rocky 3. Pain. That's what's going to happen on Sunday at Soldier Field. There's going to be a lot of pain involved for the fans that actually brave it and go out there. Um I'm going to say 31 to 10 in favor of the Vikings. They they really shouldn't have to show all that much. The question really is going to be is Justin Jefferson like are they going how important is that record to him and to the Vikings? Like do they really want to push it and get that there's a record sitting there for him to to obtain this Sunday at Soldier Field. So 31 to 10 and as far as um interceptions to touchdowns, boy is Peterman going to be putting the ball up? You know, that's the other thing. Like, does the organization want to perhaps protect Justin Fields and not let Peterman show that he can be a better thrower than Fields? Is that is that a possibility? I hate to think that way, but is is that a possibility based on what Zach was saying in the in the first segment of the show? So um, I, I'm going to call that a push. I'm going to say uh, one and one. One touchdown for Justin Jefferson, one pick for Peterman. The question that you want to you know, contemplate if you're a Bulls fan is... The Bulls have a very busy weekend with games against the 76ers tonight and the Jazz at home on Saturday. Given how up and down the team has been, how will Billy Donovan's team fare over the weekend? Is it too much to ask a team that can beat the Nets to win both games? This season it has been. The answer should be no. It, it should not be too much to ask. But this year it has been. They've been this roller coaster up and down all season long so why is that suddenly going to change this weekend so I, I i don't have that faith and by the way total aside here markinen where has this come from he's a great player I, he is a great player he was not able to realize his potential here but we're seeing what you thought 
you're going to see in Chicago unfold now. He was the seventh pick in the draft. He didn't play like it when he was here. He's playing like a premier player now. It's unreal. Well, yeah, it should not be too much to ask based on they have four of the top five highest paid players in Chicago on the, on the team. We talked about that yesterday. Um, you know, the Bulls have not been good against the 76ers at all, and they definitely haven't been good against Joel Embiid. He is questionable tonight, Joel Embiid. Um, you know, if Joel Embiid plays, there is no shot that the Bulls can beat the 76ers, maybe without him. And Laurie Markkinen, wow. I mean, nobody was – I mean, Laurie Markkinen is kind of like my Roquan Smith, yeah, just just a guy that I, I couldn't wait to get out of town, and he's done okay since he's been out of town. It's a great um, example it, because now you're going to regret the Bulls losing probably Roquan would like Smith. to have somebody like him now. Like now, 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 all of a sudden he's figured out how to shoot threes. He he he, he could shoot threes with the Bulls. He couldn't make them. He, well, he could attempt them. But when you're seven foot something, you got to get a rebound every once in a while. So that was my problem with Laurie Markkinen. I think that Jim Boylan ruined Laurie Markkinen. I think Laurie Markkinen was on the path to, I don't know about greatness, but certainly fulfilling his potential more than he realized in Chicago before Jim Boylan arrived and changed everything about his mental approach, about his spot on the floor, about the way that he played. Laurie Markkinen had a skill set that you're seeing now. This guy, he bulked up. Remember that one offseason he bulked up mm-hmm. and he had the, the physique that was now an NBA body and all of those things? I have always liked Laurie Markkinen, the player, and wondered at one point in time, I remember the debate, Laurie or Zach, Laurie or Zach. And I remember being a Markkinen guy early on before Jim Boylan ruined Laurie Markkinen. So he comes in tomorrow night. Good for him because he is a great guy. He, he is a great guy. I'm happy to see him having success, even if it is in the uh, relative obscurity of Utah because people don't watch him. Is it too much to ask for the Bulls to win both games? No, because we have seen them beat good teams. They're 6-1 and one against the top three seeds in the East. If Embiid doesn't play tonight, they should win that game, and there's no reason they shouldn't win tomorrow night at home, even though it's the second end of a back-to-back. I think the Bulls go 2-0 this weekend. Whoa! I, I don't think that's the question. I think that has to be the question. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday's show, our guy Bruce Levine floated the idea of the White Sox being open to trading shortstop Tim Anderson if a team like the Dodgers made them a strong offer. Bruce also mentioned Yohan Moncada and the idea of trading a big name. How realistic or unrealistic is that possibility for Rick Hahn? Would you entertain that possibility? No. Emphatically, no. I would not trade Tim Anderson. I'd be open to a conversation about Moncada, but I wouldn't trade either one of those guys. I would hope that they stay healthy, do everything in my power with my uh, staff, the, the new revitalized staff, and keep these guys on the field. Tim Anderson is not somebody that you want to trade. You want to have him assume an even greater leadership role now that Jose Abreu is gone. You want him to stay healthy and hit at the top of your order. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. He is the White Sox right now. And you have a new manager who thinks that this team underachieved because of their lack of energy at times. If you don't believe me, just ask Pedro Grafol. He'll tell you. So Bruce and I got in a very good, lively debate last Saturday morning when I was trying to shoot down this idea. 
He reiterated it yesterday on the air. I look forward to tomorrow arguing with him again because he'll still be wrong. No, the White Sox should not trade Tim Anderson. Um, I would not say it as emphatically as you did, David, but I will agree. I also believe this is why. I believe Rick Hahn believes, using that word quite a bit in this answer, that he has provided all the proper ingredients. He has all the proper ingredients to win the division and to win a playoff series. And now he has been able to get the manager that he thinks can cook the ingredients that he has provided to come out with a masterpiece. So I don't see them rocking the boat at all. The one little thing that I would propose is why not, if you're if you're down on Moncada, which I understand why people would be down on Moncada, they have this gaping hole at second base. Why not move him over there? And maybe like focusing in on something else, maybe that helps him big picture. And then, well, what do you do at third base? We'll, we'll figure that out. But maybe that's a way to help out Moncada and fills a need which is gaping, and that is second base for the White Sox. Why would you not entertain the possibility? I think both of you guys have been stuck at looking at the names that the White Sox may give up without entertaining the possibility of who they may bring back. Do you have a name for us? I, I don't have the name. Well, that's that, the problem. So that's like the, that's the problem with getting rid of Justin Fields. Is you, we need a name, Zach. But we need I, names. I, I think the Dodgers trade. Yeah, who's coming? Gavin back? Lux. No. That would be who Bruce plugged in at shortstop, and I think that would be the guy that would be part of any any deal, but that doesn't really do much for me. No. They'd have to give up a lot more in terms of prospects, and you're not going to know. Hold on. I'm going to stick up for Zach here. Don't chastise Zach for not knowing the Dodgers' farmhands, the top 30 prospects in the Dodgers organization. I know he is Mr. Baseball. I want an answer. We can float float things all day. My mom, listen, hold on. My mom knows that the Bears need a better wide receiver. My mom doesn't know who that wide receiver is. So we all know that they, we all know that Justin Fields could be better at quarterback, and he's got room to improve. But what's your answer when you get rid of Justin Fields? Who give me I, a name? I didn't not say another get, quarterback. I, I didn't say get rid of, of Justin Fields. What I would say is g- give me Bryce Young. And if you've watched him all year and for his career, he is a better passer. He doesn't take as many hits. He stays on the field even though he's small. That is a big concern. But from a passing standpoint, and we've seen it not just from F- from Young, but also. All of the guys that have recently come out of Alabama, they can pass. They can pass the ball. And think of the haul that you could get back if you traded fields to quickly improve the team. And I don't know what the goal is. Again, I, I don't know what the goal is. Is the goal to watch Justin Fields flourish or is the I goal we to watch the Tim Bears Anderson. flourish? He asked me a question. He's from Alabama. I mean, come on. <laughs> Stick on topic here, Zach. Sorry, but uh, Dustin asked me a question, so I, I felt obligated to give an answer but I I do think it's important to know you mentioned it we all know the Dodgers have one of the best systems in in all of baseball so there's a lot to get there so you have two guys who have a history now of injuries and their availability has become a question we know about their capabilities when they're right but getting them right has been an issue so if you can do better I think you have to explore that possibility. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown. Pick six. 
The NCAA Transformation Committee recommended earlier this week to expand March Madness to as many as 90 teams from the current number of 69. Do you like the idea or reject any notion of expansion to the tournament? What is behind the cause? Improving the athlete's experience or increasing the revenue? Or is that a dumb question? I'm not going to call you dumb, but it is a dumb question. Because we know everything when it comes to college sports ultimately ends up being about money. Right? It's a business. Mm. It's a business. It's about money. Everyone. Everyone involved in college sports is looking to make money. There's a lot of other stuff that makes it good, and, and I understand the, the Pollyanna part of it. Well, I think that you've got to make a distinction. College sports, there are two levels of college sports. So I, I, would, I would push back at that. I, I don't think that there's anybody, uh, or not anybody, I don't think that um, North Central College and their football program is worried about the bottom line as much as they are about being a perennial national championship contender. Right, that is true. But I, I do think Thank that you. when it comes to the, the power five. Is that five, not dumb or idiotic? I, I, it, you act like you came up with the question. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just responding, Zach. You're, First you're, day on the show, Zach, the hosts the host provide the question. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, so uh, again, but I didn't say that the person who asked the question was dumb. I, I just think it, an answer. It's, it's a dumb question because ultimately when it comes to March Madness and the NCAA tournament, it is about money. No one watches more college basketball than me firsthand up close there are not enough teams to provide a healthy tournament if you increase it to 90 and i think it's perfect right now there is no one there is no one who loves college basketball whoever has said over the last two decades you know the way they run the ncaa tournament is just awful it's just (laughs) awful i think it's perfect as is there are very few things in life that are perfect the NCAA tournament as is, perfect. I I still consider it the field of 64, right? The yes. field of 64. Also, <laughs> last night, if you had nothing to watch, I watched every minute last night of Purdue, Ohio State. Thoroughly entertained, really good college basketball game. So if you happen to DVR it and didn't see it, um, pay attention to the scoreboard update. We'll let you know who won if you don't know. Um, really good college basketball game. But uh, the upsets, part of what makes the, the tournament perfect, Zach, I think, I don't want to speak for you, I'll, say, I'll speak for myself, are some of the upsets. So why not give DePaul, as an example, a chance to upset Purdue in the first round of the NCAA tournament, the, the number one seed versus the number 36 seed? I don't, I, I, it's too early for me to do the math right now. David's the one who's gotten coffee so far. Um, you know, I don't know how far down the line DePaul would be, but just, you know, it, why not? I, I mean, it's it, everybody makes more money, you know, and it's the money also goes to more than sports. So when it think so I, I have no problem with expanding it. If does that get rid of the con, you know, you know what's dumb in college basketball? The conference tournaments. Conference tournaments are pretty dumb. Those are for money. Right. Those I are mean, those, the mo- those are money ex- driven. Those are super I mean, if you could get rid of those and add and add Extra rounds, the NCAA tournament, I'm all for it. I would disband the transformation committee. I would transform that into nothing. This is not broken. There's no need to fix it. 69 teams, 68 teams, 64 teams, whatever the case may be, the the way that they have structured this tournament is now nearly as perfect as you can get. The upsets mean a lot because there's not a, a tournament littered with teams that are 
lower seeded beating higher seeded teams. And when you when you increase the field, you increase the possibility of that happening. So these moments are still special because it's still a workable number. Of course, it's about the revenue. As as we talked about, there's most of these decisions at this level of college athletics are, are revenue driven, are profit driven. Not always, but most of them. And this is one of them. So uh, I that's probably part of the dumb part of the question. But the relevant part of the discussion is that is this something that you would support? And to me, it's clear that I would not. And I don't think it's a good idea. All right. That is the pick six. We still have the extra point. There was some good news with, uh, in Cincinnati. DeMar Hamlin yesterday interacted with his doctors, held his family members' hands, and the NFL, after breathing a sigh of relief, has some direction now about what's going to happen with the Bills and Bengals game and the AFC playoff picture. We'll talk about that next. It's Mully and Haw, Zach Zayman in for Mully, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Field of 64. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. After Thursday's encouraging news about DeMar Hamlin, how do you think the league will now handle Bill's Bengals game from Monday night? How comfortable are you with some of the options that have been discussed according to reporting from across the league? Well, I think yesterday was a great day for the National Football League, especially the Bills and most of all, DeMar Hamlin and his family. The news reports were encouraging, and I think everybody was waiting for that moment, that positive uh, update, so they could exhale. And from the league perspective, look ahead, finally, without feeling uh, any sort of misgivings about that. And when he woke up and he wrote down the question, uh, who won or did we win? And the doctors responded of, yeah, you won the game of life. That's a moment. That's a really cool thing. And his family talking about uh, interacting with him and just seeing the joy and hearing it from his teammates as well. So this is good moving forward. This is hope for a, a recovery that you know he can have a life now. And that was in doubt for, for too long this week. So it's been quite a week. And it's brought out the best in people. And I think that the best solution for the NFL is not playing that game, is just pretending like it never happened uh, and looking at the winning percentage after the fact. So scenario one, if the Chiefs and the Bills both win or tie in Week 18, then Buffalo versus Kansas City, if it were in the AFC Championship game, would be at a neutral site. I can live with that. I think that you can't spend the week talking about how we all need better perspective uh, and this all it brings us down to earth and it humanizes everything and then pivot and say, oh, they've got to play at home. This is the bottom line. You've got to play that game. No, this is fine. Don't play the game. Play at a neutral site if they face each other in the playoffs and everyone can be happy. I, I, David, this, this is crazy what, what, what they're talking about here. Now, the neutral site is something that I believe we brought up on Monday. This show brought up that. But, David, and you do is probably more, but I feel like I do a lot of reading, sports reading, that is. I still have a question. Who's getting the buy? Who's, who's not playing? That, that, that hasn't been answered. And it's not even, like, how are they figuring that out? Who, who's getting the buy? Who is the number one seed? Who, the week off, I think, is as valuable as home field potentially could be. And the Bengals are the ones who get the ultimate short straw. The Chief, it looks like the Chiefs are going to get the bye. 
And it looks like the Chiefs, if they're playing in the game against either the Bengals or the Bills, will play on a neutral field. But the Chiefs were beaten by who? Both the Bills and the Bengals on the field of play. So I, I don't I don't understand I don't understand this. I, I like the neutral field, but I think I think there is a there are other options where this game could be played. Who's the number one seed? Who's getting the bye? Two one nine texts in. The game is canceled. Have you not read any news? That's going to be voted on by the owners today. Okay, that the game is canceled. That's not, I don't think that's going to be but, voted on. The game but, is canceled. But the owners are voting today to make everything official and to pick one of these scenarios. But it's still. Who's getting the bye? Who's the number one seed in the AFC? No, this, none of this explains that. Does it? Am I missing it? I think that let's go back and take a look at how you fix this problem. And you give me a better solution than what the NFL has come up with. This is a unique circumstance where you had a player who almost died on the field. You don't want to play the game. I think we're all in agreement that you can't go back and, and replay this game given the, the time that we are in the season. So give me a better solution. If you're going to ask that question, Dustin, give me a better solution. Oh, I, I like the idea that, that was proposed yesterday that supposedly was on the table where you delay the NFC side. You delay the NFC side of things, and they the uh, Bills and Bengals play uh, on the AFC wildcard weekend. You know, you could you could do that. The other thing I said, this is this is I've never I, I read this. I think somebody emailed this to us. How about adding adding an eighth team to both sides and no buys? OK, no buys. NFC doesn't get a buy. It, AFC doesn't get a buy. I want to clarify. So if the Bills and the Chiefs both win this weekend, according to the story on ESPN.com, the Chiefs will get the buy. Yeah, that's I mean, everything points to the Chiefs getting yeah. the buy. I mean, based yeah. on because I think the Chiefs are going to win. Well, okay, but I, is, is, are you suggesting that's not fair? I, I don't think it's fair because because there's one they're, they're they're short a game. Right. None of this is fair. None of it's you're, fair. You're, you're correct. You're trying. Zach, you're right. None of it's fair. But I think it's okay now to talk about it, and I think the reason it's okay to play this game, to replay the game, or pick the game up from where it was paused, is because Demar Hamlin is heading in the right direction. Agreed, but you would have – it would be unfair to somebody at some point down the line. I'll give you an example. As of right now, what you want to do the is The only team it would be unfair to, sorry, is that the two teams that end up in the Super Bowl wouldn't have two weeks off. Right. So what? Well, you, you can say that right now because the, a team that you care for isn't involved. But just as an example, <laughs> if, you were, if you were a Bears fan and the Bears were clearly – if the Bears were the Eagles or San Francisco, right, and clearly the – one of the, the top teams in the NFC, and you had a legitimate shot to win a championship, you would be upset. This morning, we would be talking about... Like, yeah, if Justin Fields strained his hip in the NFC championship game and needed an extra week to heal that he didn't have because of your compressed schedule in the playoffs, you would be ticked off, right? Justin. He Absolutely. Would. There would be... there. It would be a, a, a pick six just on that. There'd be one question, and we'd be going for an hour and a half. And because then if, if the Bears were in the playoffs next week, Justin Fields wouldn't be playing, right? That's right. Thank you, Matt Eberflus. <laughs> yeah. Then we would be back to the hits principle rather than the quits principle. All right. That is the extra point. We did the pick six. Those are our opinions. What are yours? 312-644-6767. Zach is in for Mully today. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. 
it's not just what you see in the game. I think you have to think of that too. I think the way that we challenge them every day in practice, from the off season to training camp to the season, you know, we go into the games and we try to find the best way to win the game. And so we make sure that we're, we're challenging them in every possible way when we get the opportunity. The amount of like situational football we do in practice is extraordinary from every, anywhere else I've been. And so all that exposure has been really good for him. Welcome back. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Zach is in for Mully today. That was Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator and play caller for the Chicago Bears. Zach, I feel like Luke Getze's had a pretty good year. I like the way that schematically he redesigned the Bears' offense during the mini-buy and brought out the best in Justin Fields. I also like the way that he continues to be very candid and uh, honest about Justin Fields when he plays well and when he doesn't play well because that's accountability, and that's a good coach. And Luke Getzey, to me, holds Justin Fields accountable publicly, and I'm sure he does privately. And so does Justin Fields. He holds himself to a high account behind closed doors as well as publicly. I think that if they can be critical, why can't we? Why can't we take a critical look at the Chicago Bears? Because ultimately, the goal is, and this is what everyone wants, right? A championship. You want to see the Bears put themselves on the right path to winning a championship put themselves on the right path to sustain success, where it's not this, this comet and then poof, it's gone. You, you want a, a team that is able, every year when training camp starts, you want to believe that your team truly has a shot to win a championship. It's been a long time since you felt that way about the Bears. You know, it's funny, it's laughable now. After the, the double doink in, in 2018, as the Bears approached the 2019 season, the talk all offseason and heading into training camp is, boy, if they can just get that kicking situation right, this team's a kicker away from a championship. And they weren't. And right now, they are everything away from a championship. Everything. Everything. You because they've it. answered the quarterback question. Have they? Let me finish the question. If you believe that they have answered the quarterback question adequately this year. Do you feel like the Bears are closer to that proverbial championship caliber play or that championship caliber season than they were at the end of the 2018 season when they were one kicker away maybe with the wrong quarterback? No. I mean, just the way the way they are right now. I'm just asking because I think that there's a belief in this town that this season – has been a success, as ludicrous as that sounds, when you're on the verge of setting a record for losses in a, in a season, that it has been successful because they have answered the question at quarterback in the minds of many. Now, I know it's not in the minds of you. I think that when you look at, though, the consensus around Chicago, whether it's fans or even media, and sometimes there's not a distinction there, that Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback of the future who can lead the Bears where they want to go. Do they feel that way inside Hallis Hall? We don't know. And I don't think we will know based on the words that they use when the season ends because there's a whole new game that's going to begin as soon as Sunday's game ends. And 
there's it's called subterfuge where you're just going to have a whole bunch of comments in the end of season press conferences from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and you know even George McCaskey if he talks and when the Bears eventually name a new president and and that person talks I I just don't think you can give honest answers when you're going to be trying to trade away picks or players in order to accumulate more picks and, and try to improve the situation. But I'll go back, and you posed a great question. Are they closer now because there's a belief that you have the quarterback? Mm-hmm. How close did Detroit ever get during the Matthew Stafford era where they had the quarterback and they didn't have anything else? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. The score listener line is powered by BetQL Smarter Bets. Start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's start the conversation with Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome to the Mullen Haw Show. Good morning. Uh, I read something. I want to couch this by saying I enjoy fantasy football and I definitely enjoy the NFL. However, last night when the NFL made its announcement, I read a bunch of comments on a site dealing with fantasy of people complaining about the decision, saying that the NFL was wimping out and that there's $2 billion in, uh, in money that are involved and it's Hamlin's life worth it. I can't think, where the heck is the humanity in these people? Thanks for the phone call. I think the the question might be pertaining to the influence of fantasy football and the way that fans and media consume it and form those opinions. And maybe uh, that is part of this. Maybe that's all part of why there was so much focus on on the schedule. I'm not quite sure, but I do think fantasy football has affected the way people evaluate what they're watching on Sunday. I think – (laughs) <laughs> Very much so. I think that's one of the reasons that there are many people who believe the Bears have the, the quarterback question answered emphatically because of the, the fantasy football numbers that you get from Justin Fields. And I, I, I don't think – I think they're two different games. Fantasy football is a very different game from what it takes to win in the NFL. But that, that's one thing. Now, when it comes to DeMar Hamlin, honestly, the only thing that matters is that this guy can live – a healthy life going forward. And we finally got some positive news yesterday that he's on the right path. There's a long road to go, but he's on the right path. And I don't care if you don't think it's fair when it comes to how the NFL's navigating this situation on the field. The only thing that matters is that this guy, I mean, you saw how how rattled football fans were watching what we saw on TV. Right. Now imagine being there. What it was like being there. The trauma. I, I mean yeah. getting past that. That's a huge thing. And I think that's what you heard this week. These players not reduced to, but re, were reminded that they are human beings. They're young men dealing with something that they saw and had to process very quickly. Ryan Clark said it best, I thought, when You know, you you use the metaphors. You know, you're going to battle, you're going to war, blah, blah, blah. But it is a game. Right. It's just a game, and you're not expecting to have a life-or-death scenario 
just unfold before your eyes. I was there at Soldier Field the day that Johnny Knox got bent backwards. He was a, a speedy Bears receiver who had a lot of potential. And he took a hard hit. His body was bent awkwardly. It's the only time I've seen an ambulance roll onto the field at Soldier Field. And, you know, at least he got the thumbs up. You didn't did, he get... lo- did he lose consciousness at all? No. And, but it wasn't a life or death situation. It was a career altering situation. Sure. But it wasn't life or death. He wasn't fighting for his life. He was but fighting even for his from career. From your vantage point on the sidelines that day, did you see the fear or the realization? Or we look at these guys as gladiators, and then we see them in moments like this where they're vulnerable. Did you do you remember seeing that and sensing that? I remember vividly that there was great concern in the moment that this guy may never be able to move again. Right, that the belief was, oh my God, he may be paralyzed, and thankfully. After he was he was taken to the hospital, finally had a chance to talk to some of the trainers and, and the medical staff, and they said he had full movement in his extremities. So I remember the report I did is, good news, he's got full movement and he's not paralyzed, but he was never able to play football again. He's Zach Zayman. He's in for Mully today. When we come back on the Mully and Haas show, we will talk to Brad Biggs about this weekend's game and about his a conversation we had with him on Thursday that created quite a stir. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.